You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Are you a diehard comic book collector? Or maybe a lapsed fan? Maybe even someone who has never picked up a comic book in their life. Hi, I'm Remso Martinez. And I'm Mark Clare. Every single Wednesday at the Second Print Comics Podcast, Remzo and I take a deep dive into the storylines, character arcs, moments, and events that made us the fans we are today. Tune in every Wednesday for new episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else podcasts are available. Check out more from the Second Print Comics Podcast at secondprintcomics.com. You're on the run with Remzo W. Martinez. All right, Nate. I couldn't get the porn star to come on the show, so I settled for you. That's Maybe a, next time. That's a, that's a sentence I never thought I would have to say out loud, but these are the times that we live in. Indeed, yeah. No, these are uh, interesting times, if nothing else. We live in the, the weirdest timeline, and uh, you know, conservatives debating whether or not porn stars belong at youth student conferences, I guess, is uh, part of that. When you started writing a few years ago, did you ever think that this would be a topic that you were like having to opine on? Uh, I mean, no, I didn't like specifically <laughs> not think that. But I, I mean, when I started writing, I was like, you know, interviewing at National Review or something. I was like, you know, getting really upset about tax rates. So this is, uh, you know, it's been a wild three years. Uh, I guess, you know, now I'm not surprised that I'm here, but uh, it's it's weird, man. It's, it's very weird. I, I have a weird similarity. I remember my first internship in D.C. was at uh, Freedom Works during the Kibbe administration, as I like to coin it. And, uh, you know, we were writing like, you know, these these brilliant pieces about why we shouldn't renew the, the, the statute for the export import bank. And I'm like, yes, this is hardcore libertarian conservatism. This is what we're going to fight for. And we're going to fight on every trench on every hill. And like five, six years later, it's like, no, we have to save Aunt Jemima on the syrup bottle. Like, I don't know how it evolved. It's uh, it's probably more interesting than tax rates. I mean, like if I was still, you know, writing about occupational licensing reform, I'd probably like be drinking bleach by now. Um, <laughs> it's, you know, it's not necessarily like a good sign for like the health of uh, the conservative movement or, you know, the republic <laughs> writ large that we're not debating that stuff anymore. We're debating like whether or not hardcore pornography is like, you know, belongs at like youth conservative conferences. Um, but it is, you know, these are these are debates that are interesting and uh, grab a lot of attention. Obviously. So that's, I guess, a good thing. Uh, maybe. I mean, we'll, yeah, a good we'll have thing to might be overly charitable. I'm trying I'm, to. Be I'm going to turn on. Like, no, none of the listeners are gonna are, are gonna see this, but you're gonna see this. Like, I had to pour myself a double <laughs> shot of whiskey to prepare for this because this good, good prep. Yeah, because I I didn't know what else I could do. I could actually like really come down with notes, but it came down to the point where it's like it's all going to get tossed away. I'll just go ahead and I- explain the fun part now. Uh, there's a porn star named Brandy Love. Uh, I want to tell people that I was totally not familiar with her, but 20-year-old me would be lying. Uh, you know, it, it was one of those weird things where it's like worlds collide. 
And apparently about two weeks ago at the at some turning point, well, not some, at one of their big Turning Point USA events, because Turning Point USA likes to party, um, Brandy Love, this porn star who also has written for The Federalist and a couple other places about like serious topics and stuff like that, uh, she's a conservative, she's a Trump supporter, she's also a porn star, and she wanted to attend this event to see the speakers and everything. And she wasn't there to like sell anything. She wasn't there to make a scene or stuff. She was, she bought a VIP ticket and she wanted to be there with all the other, you know, grownups, I guess, who like to hang around conservative teenagers. And that's the weird thing I'll say. Like I've been to a couple of those turning points of turning point events. I spoke at their young Latino leadership summit uh, in 2017, I guess they were running out of Latinos. So they invited me to talk and, um, you know, just, you, you see, you see these older folks come and it's also kind of like, yo, that's so sweet. They're coming and supporting us. But that's like, you know, why, why did you spend money to be here? But, but that's a whole other thing. Anyway, she shows up and, um, within a few hours, she's told you're no longer allowed to attend the event. Here's a refund. Please go away. And everyone lost their shit online. And I just kind of watched it from afar, like what the what the actual fuck is happening. So you're smart because you're much smarter than I am, which is why I, you watched it from afar. Like you know, I, I think I, I say a lot of stupid things, and I'm at the point where I don't boast about that. It's probably like a mental disorder I have, but I've learned to just wait five minutes because things will change drastically within a five minute window way outside of your control. So now it's kind of died down by the time we're talking about this and by the time people listen to this, but it's still one of those things that, you know, is, is coming up now because it's the flavor of the month type of deal, especially in what is relatively a boring summer for the most part. So everyone is, everyone in like right-wing political Twitter is having like this internal civil war over whether or not uh, well, I, I'd say it's almost too, 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 too parted in terms of this campaign to talk about this. You've got the people that are like, should they have kicked her out because she's a porn star? And then you've got the people who are like, uh, she can't call herself conservative because she's a porn star. And all those arguments are kind of intersecting at strange points. And I think that people are talking past each other. I, I, um, I reached out to you because you were writing a piece about this. I'm going to go ahead and link to your article from the American mind in the show notes so people can go ahead and read it. I strongly suggest that they do. But for those that are illiterate or just too lazy, uh, go ahead and just explain. Why did you want to talk about this of all things, Nate? Because tell me you didn't have something more to waste your time with. Yeah, man. I mean, to me, this seems like really obvious. There are, I mean, the, the sort of massive right wing, you know, days long debate that, that, uh, you know, spun out after this was dealing with a lot of bigger questions with, you know, libertarians versus trads versus like what it means to be a conservative, you know, versus it turned into a whole thing about banning porn, which is like completely actually unrelated to the, the question of whether or not a private association that's hosting a youth event should let a hardcore porn, porn actress uh, show up. But the, the basic point that I was just trying to make was this should just be obvious common sense that like, I, I, I mean, I would not uh, recommend Brandy Love's Twitter account to anyone, uh, especially, you know, around young children, but her pinned tweet on her account is like a very sexually graphic nude photo of her. And she's like live tweeting this event. Like, it's just not a good look. And it's a kid's event, right? I mean, not only is it a conservative event, it is a event that is frequented by 15 and 16 year olds. And this woman who is, 
you know, in between tweeting about at this event, like promoting her OnlyFans and like posting really incredibly graphic photos of herself doing like sex acts um, is at the event. That it, again, like up until like probably five or six years ago, this would just be common sense, not just among conservatives, among any sort of basic uh, you know, commonsensical American, <laughs> these people probably shouldn't be at these events with you. It's, it's not good for kids to be around that. And it's also just a bad look reputationally to have someone who's engaging in those things, which we used to all understand were fundamentally wrong at a very basic level um, at your event. So the, the fact that so many people, so many self-proclaimed conservatives, including some who should really know better, were sort of viciously going after TPUSA for this and saying they're engaging in cancel culture, uh, to me was was indicative of a, a pretty deep rot in a, in a pretty significant portion of the right. Um, and I thought it was a good opportunity, as much as the, the, the topic itself is sort of hilarious and farcical, it actually did point to some principled questions. And it's a good opportunity to sort of, first of all, just dispense with the obvious argument, which is that this was obviously the right decision on TPUSA's part, but then also get into specifically why the conservative arguments against it were fundamentally a misunderstanding of first principles. And we actually need to revisit those first principles to understand them. So we can get into that. But the basic point is, is saying that it's cancel culture to boot a, a porn star, a hardcore porn star out of a youth conference is a complete misunderstanding of, of why cancel culture is bad and what cancel culture is and what conservatives should be doing to fight cancel culture, right? The idea that we can only critique cancel culture if we never enforce any social standards ourselves and don't have any kind of morality at all, and we just have this sort of value-neutral, live-and-let-live approach to everything, is completely wrong. That's not the problem with cancel culture. The problem with cancel culture is that the standards for what's acceptable and what isn't acceptable have moved really far to the left, and conservatives should be trying to move those standards back. We shouldn't just be trying to abolish standards altogether. I, I think it goes to a larger issue, and I definitely want to kind of chop that all up because you make a lot of really good points. Um, my my big grand criticism is that what what I hate about the conservative movement is that it's reactionary in like a fourth grade sense. When I when I say that word, it's it's basically meaning we are always just reacting to what the progressives are throwing at us. We even mm -hmm. adopt their terminology, you know, in almost everything we do. So when you do that, you're always coming up underhanded in every situation you're in. Um, and that's what this whole cancel culture accusation with TPUSA has kind of devolved into because when you use like Reader's Digest logic on something that requires a bit more than just a tweet, you're, you're going to lose a lot of people in the process. I mean, it, it, it's one of those situations where it's like I see a lot of people who are what I consider, you know, people who have better things to do with their lives. And, um, you know, they're they're arguing about this. And maybe it's just because I'm I don't want to say like I'm, I'm nihilistic about things, but it's more like if I could literally focus on anything else, I'm going to choose to wholeheartedly do that. But with this, it, you know, it, 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 it comes down to another thing, which is. It wasn't them saying, you know, we're going to brand you with a scarlet letter. You're a slut. How dare you right. do this? It was, hey, we, we know who you are and we see what you're doing. And we just don't want this to be something that can come back at us. Because at the end of the day, it's always going to be a self-interest thing. As somebody that has ran businesses and things like that, I can't say I would have made 
you know, a different decision if I knew it was happening. I think I probably would have tried to at least catch it a little bit earlier, but I mean, I don't even think that's Turning Point USA's fault. I mean, you're, when you're dealing with that many people, to assume that you're going to know every person who's a potential threat unless you've got their, you know, photo on the wall, like at a movie theater and stuff like that, like you're, you're not going to know. So I really don't blame Turning Point USA for that. Um, you know, I think the, the whole thing was was kind of spun out of control. The the other issue is like, you know, this this broader argument about who does and who doesn't belong in the conservative movement. I think it's funny because I think there's an argument that it's settled, that the boundaries were set a long time ago. I tend to disagree with that, not because you know, the, the boundaries never existed, but because even the people that kind of set those boundaries admitted that they were kind of falling apart. And I'm referring yeah. to William F. Buckley, the, the sure. founder of fusionism with the traditionalists, the free market libertarians and the neoconservatives, you know, even he in the, in the nineties and then before he died, before the 2008 election, um, you know, even he was like, yeah, you know, this, this has got to change. I mean, there's a dude that used to say that, you know, reefer madness is destroying America. And before he died, he was like, you know, maybe we should legalize pot. People can change. And I'm not holding him up as like the gold standard for it all because, you know, with people, you're going to find a nuance that confuses things. But, you know, I, I think we should kind of separate this out, Nate. I, I think I agree with you that asking her to leave, given the context, was appropriate. Now, here's, here's, my, here's really my first question. If she had gone to CPAC, would you have wanted her removed? I mean, so I this is a, my more sort of radical position because I'm I'm a priest on social conservatives. I, I I don't think the institutional conservative movement should be associating with unrepentant porn stars, right? It would be one thing if she did porn earlier in life and then stopped doing it and said, "Man, I really regret that." I, you know, absolutely, we should have charity. We should welcome her her in. But if again, if you go to Brandy Love's Twitter account, she is actively posting really graphic sexual images uh, on there. I think conservatives should be against pornography. I think pornography is fundamentally contrary to all of the very basic things that conservatives understand about the importance of relationship between men and women, that, you know, the way that sexual work, sexuality works, sexual morality, right? And, and trying to open up something like CPAC, which sort of represents for better and worse the, the institutional conservative movement to someone who's actively endorsing that and promoting it on her social media uh, and in, in every facet of her, of her business life uh, would be a, a betrayal of our legitimacy when we we're talking about the, the problem of something like pornography. So the argument I was making in the American Mind piece was addressing what I think is a much more obvious and less controversial point, which is that she doesn't belong in a children's conference. But uh, outside of that argument, I'm, I'm also perfectly happy to, to, to defend the case that she shouldn't be at CPAC either, as long as she is someone who is actively promoting pornography. Conservatives should be against pornography. That is a conservative position. I don't think being pro-porn is uh, reconcilable with, with conservatism properly understood in any healthy definition of the word. And we shouldn't be embracing people who are sort of actively working to spread the kind of cultural degeneracy that conservatives are supposed to oppose. Do you think it's necessarily being pro-porn or not being staunchly anti-porn? Because I can kind of frame it in the, it's not good enough to be not racist. You have to be full on anti-racist. <laughs> sure. 
Yeah. No, look, I mean, I'm, I think uh, conservatism is a big tent within reason, and you don't have to share my really severe misgivings about pornography to be a conservative. You can absolutely be ambivalent about porn um, and be a conservative. Right? That, of course, it would be absurd to say that anyone who isn't su- super hardline anti-porn and wants to prioritize that can't be in the conservative movement. What you can't be is someone, again, who's actively trying to, you know, staking their business model on actively spreading that stuff, um, particularly, you know, someone like Brandy Love, who is, uh, you know, uh, one of the more famous faces in the porn industry. Um, so it, it, it's, it's the same reason, like, I, I think you can be, you cannot care that much about the abortion issue, for example, and be within the conservative movement. I don't think CPAC should have like a Planned Parenthood rep there. Right. Like, I, I think that there's there are limits to the big tent as much as I want a big tent. Um, but someone who's actively working for the abortion industry doesn't belong at CPAC. Someone who's actively working for the pornography industry doesn't belong at CPAC. Plenty of people at CPAC just don't care that much about abortion or porn. But that's radically different than actively working to advance those things that conservatives are opposed to. Well, I think there's a difference between allowing Planned Parenthood to sponsor the main stage at CPAC and then somebody who happens to be conservative on like 99% of the issues, but they're like far, far to the left on abortion, who's just attending. Because I right, mean, but I, I meant like if they worked for Planned Parenthood, right? I mean, again, like you can you can have maybe pro-choice views, right? But if you, it, Brandy Love is the equivalent because she works for the porn industry. The, 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 the equivalent in the abortion issue would be if you work for, like if you're an abortion doctor, right? Um, you know, uh, someone like that, like an abortionist coming to CPAC. I think should be off limits. Certainly, someone who's actively engaged in and their entire life is devoted to, in some ways, advancing something like abortion or, in Brandy Love's case, porn. I get what you're saying, and and I and I want to thank you for clarifying that because I think it, it, it's it's one of those issues where, like, I don't want to sound like I don't have an opinion, but I I think I have to be more selective about what I say when it comes to these things because. I, I'm, at, I'm at a point in my life where I definitely am more libertarian than, than a lot of my conservative friends, but I'm also more conservative when it comes to my libertarian friends. Case in mm-hmm. point, you know, like at the time I supported the legalization of gay marriage and I was also a Liberty University student. Uh, hmm. You know, it's it was it was one of those weird things. And, you know, I, I've I've had some regrets in, you know, some of my live and let live approach when it comes to that, because I began to really understand, you know, what is the impact on the family, which contrary to what libertarians believe, I believe the family is the, is the base unit of society. We can only be individuals to the point where we need to understand we're not living in a void entirely. And, um, I mean, this is, this is kind of like the schism between like Jerry Falwell senior and Barry Goldwater, um, you know, I happen to be a really big fan of Jerry Falwell Sr. After all, I went to his school, but my grandfather in Arizona, when he was in, when he got out of the army and was a, a civil servant for the army, um, DOD and all that stuff, he was drinking buddies with Barry Goldwater. So I've got, I've got kind of a, a weird stance on this. And it, it really comes to the point of, I, I am not saying that social conservatism has no place here. I'm very much socially conservative in what I say, and this is where a lot of people say, but this is where the butt comes from. And you're right, here's where the butt comes in. 
But I think where a lot of traditional conservatives tend to lose me on some of their arguments is some of the ostracization that comes from, you know, being socially ostracizing people and at the same time also trying to get government involved in certain things, which as we conservatives, we libertarians will often call out, will lead to a slippery slope. It's like, you know, the people saying we should just outright ban pornography. And it's like, okay, how do you feel comfortable with having your taxpayer money going to keep someone fed and imprisoned who just did porn? Like, I, right. I, that, that's usually my barometer for what I consider is it really worth, worth, worth you know, criminalizing. And, and when it comes to this, like, you know, I, I think that Brandy Love, if she is a conservative and she lives conservative values and everything but that – I, I wouldn't I wouldn't ostracize her. Would I, you know, give her a main stage? You know, I, I wanted to invite her on. I, I didn't get a response back, but you know, it's one of the situations where it's like, you know, I, I also understand people are gonna be like, oh, well, you're legitimizing it because you're giving a, a platform. And it's like, well, that's I don't I don't think that's mutually exclusive either. So yeah. I mean it, it leads to this point where I think with conservatives, this is one of those situations where people in you know get reacted to the situation. And we need to understand, like, you can be against something without having to staunchly go out of your way to be as nasty as I think some people were. And do I have opinions on porn actors and stuff like that? Absolutely. But some of the vitriol and some of the just nastiness I saw people throw at her, it's like, you know, keep that shit to yourself. Like... The, 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 the stuff I saw in a lot of her Twitter replies were just things where it's like, you know, you're, you're, you're calling this person a horrendous human being while acting like a horrendous human being. Maybe it's better if you just don't give it a broader stage and attention by just ignoring the problem if it concerns you that much. Yeah, Especially when, like, no one's lives are at stake in this situation. There's, yeah, there's a lot to that. Um, and. You know, the debates over the government's role in all of this stuff also um, are, are things that divide conservatives and libertarians. Um, but I, I want to go back to something you said about the family being, you know, this crucially important good, because I do think regardless of debates over exactly how social conservatives can try to sort of defend traditional morality without being unnecessarily exclusionary or, you know, debates over exactly where the government's role in all of this stuff, one of the differences between conservatives and at least the more hardline libertarians, and this was a point that I made in my American Mind piece about why so many libertarians were defending Brandy Love and attacking TPUSA, even though TPUSA wasn't big government, um, and you know TPUSA was a private association doing what private associations. This do. almost reminds me of like the the bake the cake debacle. Oh, oh it's it's very similar, right? I mean, it's the, <laughs> the one one of the one of the weird things about the the there's like nothing in libertarianism in terms of its philosophy government of government that necessarily dictates one way or the other whether or not TPUSA should or shouldn't choose to associate with Randy Love. It's private actors in a private marketplace choosing who they associate with. But libertarians were disproportionately the ones who were attacking TPUSA as unnecessarily exclusive and defending Brandy Love's presence at the conference. And I think that gets to the difference between conservatism and libertarianism, which is that conservatism does recognize certain crucially important social and cultural goods that are a prerequisite to the exercise of liberty and ordered liberty and human flourishing more broadly. You know, conservatism, or at least sort of my brand of conservatism, I'm a staunch social conservative, 
conservative, you know, I'm, I'm out in Claremont at the Claremont Institute right now. So I have some nationalist sympathies, right. But I still, I consider myself first and foremost, a partisan of the political philosophy of the founding. I care about political liberty a lot, but I understand that liberty can't survive for long without a rich moral understanding in the hearts of a free people and, you know, a rich uh, uh, set of sort of civic associations and families and churches, right? This sort of flourishing network of mediating institutions that sit in the space between the individual and the state. Libertarians, at least libertarian philosophy, not every libertarian, obviously, but libertarianism doesn't really have anything like that. It's not grounded, uh, I think, in this richer understanding of the moral prerequisites for liberty. It's just about liberty as an end in and of itself. Uh, and that's why I think so many libertarians have this live and live morality because they conflate the exercise of any kind of moral authority whatsoever, even if it's private moral authority, like you know, a private association like TPUSA with the exercise of authoritarian state power. So you have them you know, accusing TPUSA of being authoritarian Right or uh, uh, you know of of, uh, of of engaging in cancel culture, right? Of shutting down free speech um, because they they conflate resisting government tyranny with resisting any kind of authority whatsoever. And I think that is completely antithetical to conservatism traditionally understood. Uh, and like you said earlier, understanding things like the family as these crucially important social goods um, that sit outside of government that but but that you know, the private sphere desperately needs to maintain in order to maintain our freedom um, is is a really, really important part of conservatism, particularly now in our moment of cultural degeneration. Um, and, and that's why I get so frustrated with libertarians in, in sagas like this, where I, they just I often fail to understand that um, and actively work against it in many cases. I, I, I understand what you're saying. And what, what you describe is really, I, I think, a, a big dilemma a lot of people have especially in, in more, more public figures, um, where it's like they, they understand this, but then they feel like if they explain it or they want to maybe backpack a statement or two, it almost sounds like they're completely, you know, switching. Uh, you know, like I'm, I'm a big fan of J.D. Vance. Like, mm-hmm. you're, I, I, do I disagree with some of the stuff that J.D. Vance has said since he became the, the potential politician J.D. Vance? Yeah. But like, the, these libertarians go after going after the hillbilly LG guy. Like you're not going to find me like saying anything negative about him because it's like that's just that's a, just such a waste of time. He's such a good person and he's done so much for so many people. And I also think he'd be a good senator. It's not an endorsement or anything. I'm just saying that you know if I had to pick between a lot of people, I could go to bed at night not thinking that he's going to like destroy the country or something. Right. Um, but you know it's it, it, it's like. Um, uh, David Nasser, Pastor David Nasser, is the president of the Office of Spiritual Affairs at Liberty University. When he was the vice president, when I was an undergrad, that's when Bernie Sanders came to campus uh, for one of our weekly convocations. And as they were doing their Q and A session, uh, David Nasser pointed out, he's like, you know, you talk about, you know, and they were talking about guns specifically. They're like, you know, you talk about this being a gun issue, and you know. Uh, a second amendment issue and all this stuff, but we see it as a sin issue and people just lit up. And it was one of the situations where it's like, yeah, you know, we could talk about, you know, the, the policy results, but we're not going after the the deeper issue. And that is one of those things that government should never have a say in whether or not they're going to take a, a harsh stance on every single thing. And, and that's where I disagree with some libertarians because they're like, Oh, well, you know, you, you, you have to keep morality out of, 
government. And it's like, well, you know, in government as a society, we've agreed that some things are just moral absolutes. And they're like, well, give me an example. It's like, well, murder. Well, murder's wrong because you're taking away a person's individual autonomy and you're doing all this shit. And they, they spend five hours explaining. Right, that's a code yeah. of morality, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah it's like, like right you're saying there. something's wrong. You're making a moral claim. It's like, right. you know why we know it's wrong? Because we know it's wrong. Right. Like it, the more you have to justify it means that at some point you're going to even come up with loopholes. That's the dangerous thing about it. And, you know, it's it, it, broader from that, you know, it's like in, in biblical worldview courses. I don't know how it's taught elsewhere, but at Liberty, you know, one thing that we were brought up, that we were brought to the attention of towards the end of our first semester doing that is the big brother, little brother theory that maybe some Baptists are probably a bit more familiar with. It's understanding, you know, to, to have individual liberty, you also need to understand the risks that are associated with that. And I also feel, and this is more the libertarian than me coming out, that I definitely see how conservatives tend to see the slippery slope as like a, a giant like pitfall instead of a long slide. For example, one of the things that got me in trouble my first semester at Liberty University is I, I really wanted to go see Deadpool in theaters. And while it was not against the school policy, because we couldn't go see R-rated movies and stuff like that. So Deadpool being R, they had loosened up the restrictions on R-rated movies. Um, you know, I had a lot of the RAs and people who were like student leaders who were like, you know, if you go see that movie, we can't get you in trouble for that, but we're going to keep an eye on you because we know it's going to lead to something else. And it's like, dude, if you're going to keep an eye on me because you're afraid I'm going to watch Deadpool and then like what? I, I'm, I'm going to go around like shooting up campus or something. Like, I see you guys playing Call of Duty, but this is wrong. Right. You know, that was one of those first situations where I'm like, you've, like, you've got to let people, like, you got to cut them some slack on some stuff. Now, am I equating, you know, watching Deadpool to hardcore porn? Well, according to some of my Liberty University alumni friends, Deadpool was hardcore porn. But that, that's, a, that's a neither here nor there thing. It, it, it's one, yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those situations where it's like, you, you know, you can – you can allow somebody to be around you and you don't have to constantly just go after them for, for a specific reason. And if I, if, if let's say Brandy Love wanted to go to CPAC and I'm running CPAC in the bizarro lands where that's occurring, I would let her come in because what, what's going to try and bring her to my side on this, ostracizing her and kicking her out and saying, take your money, spitting on her and going away, and then having all these other people come in? Or maybe she goes there and she meets somebody like yourself and you're going to get along and then you're going to have a discussion on this and you might have the opportunity to change your mind. It's like evangelism. I, I mean, I it's one know, of those man. situations where it's like, you know, it's got to lead somewhere. Mind. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I, I don't think I'm going to change Brandy Love's mind. Um, I, I, I get your point, though. There's no road to Damascus point. moment for Brandy. <laughs> well, you know, you know, everyone can be saved. No one is, is too far to come back. Um, but the uh, there is there is something to that, right? Leading with charity, certainly. Um, but there are also limits to that principle, right? Um, I think it's reasonable. <laughs> Probably some people online will call me like a cuck for this or something, but I think it's entirely reasonable to like not let like open neo-Nazis show up to CPAC, right? Like dudes like wearing like, you know, swastikas or something, right? Like I think that's a bad look for the institutional conservative movement, right? So there's, there are limits. Um, because, and, and that's because that would, I mean, just on a pure, take morality out of it for a second, on a purely strategic level, that's going to alienate more people I think 
than it would attract, right? Like I, I think a lot more people would see that and be like, well, that's what conservatives are. You know, maybe maybe the New York Times is right about the conservative movement. Um, so it's it, you know, I'm I'm very skeptical of gatekeeping in general, right? I think like you know Buckley's obsession with gatekeeping the conservative movement uh, did a lot of harm as well as you know potentially doing some good. Uh, but there there needs to be a line somewhere. Uh, if, if not even for moral reasons and just purely strategic sort of coalitional reasons, um, uh, making sure that the conservative movement can still appeal to a broad swath of Americans. Uh, and, you know, one of the, the arguments uh, from, from people that you heard in favor of accepting Brandy Lovett at the TPUSA conference was that we were going to, you know, alienate voters by pushing people away, right? It's like, I don't think like hardcore porn actresses are really that much of a demographic. And insofar as they are demographic, I don't think they're like really the ones who are on the fence that conservatives are going to win. You know, maybe I'm wrong. Right. But like, I don't think like we need Brandy Love in the movement. Right. I, I don't think we need like unrepentant neo-Nazis in the movement either. Cause there aren't that many porn stars. There aren't that many neo-Nazis. Right. But like we need, we need social conservatives. Right. And they're going to be pretty disgusted if we have Brandy Love at, you know, at our conference and we need, you know, like a decent amount of non-white voters who are going to be, uh, you know, pretty alienated, uh, as well as white moderates who are going to be pretty alienated uh, by, you know, us associating with, you know, dudes like, you know, doing, uh, you know, Sig Heil yeah, salutes or whatever, right? So, like, the, again, like, the, the, you know, me and the libertarians might not necessarily agree on the moral question, right? Like, libertarians, some are, you know, ambivalent on porn, some are actively pro-porn, which I think is, like, really gross. Uh, but, you know, on the, we, we can take morality off the table uh, and just talk about this on a coalitional level, like, associating with, like, women who are, you know, live streaming their debate with TPUSA behind the, the paywall on their OnlyFans uh, is not a good look for the institutional conservative movement, right? And we need to understand that and not... You got it. That's like a total pro move, though. Well, it's a, it's, a, it's, a great, it's a great way to make money. I mean, look, man, she's a stone-cold businesswoman. I got to, you know, like, credit where credit is due, that the, the woman's a hustler. Uh, you know, I just, she happens to be, you know, making a lot of money by like, you know, selling, you know, videos of herself performing sex acts like for She's million. certainly a deep throated advocate for what she does. Yeah. All puns intended. Yeah, she's, a, she's a, she's a job creator. <laughs> Lots of jobs. And and, and I mean, this is one of those situations where it's like, you know, I I had opinions and stuff like that, but I, 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 one, I'm not in, I'm not a big conservative thought leader. So for me to even suggest that is, is just not true. I'm not. But what's funny is when I see people with like, you know, three followers on Twitter, making like 90% of the comments going after somebody making these big broad claims, we should do this. And my movement doesn't do this. Like, I just think it's kind of funny in like a macro scale, but, but it's like, you know, sometimes I think, you know, we, we want to fight on every Hill. And I think there's a case to be made for if you feel like you had to come out with an opinion about the porn star, especially weeks after now it's kind of starting to dissipate and you, and you feel like you missed that moment. It's like, this is just one example of many things where it's like, I, I, I'm of the case of it's, if you don't have a real firm stance on it, you don't have to come to an opinion on it right there. And, and this is where, you know, like I, I got some slack from people. Well, not some slack. I got some shit from people, you know, just in my DMS and stuff. Mm, it's like, a did you, did you? podcast. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's about to get fucking weird if it hasn't already. <laughs> But it's like, um, you know, with, with some of my more, you know, like we'll, we'll call them <coughs> reason, um, you know, the, the farther libertarian guys that I don't really pu- publicly associate with anymore, 
you know, with them, it's like you have to almost wholeheartedly support it. And that's the weird thing about right. libertarians where I've always I've, I've been joking about this for years. That's why the title of my book is my first book is called Stay Away from the Libertarians as written by a self-identified libertarian. It's like it, it starts to create this accept all criticized none mentality. So it was like, you know, if I'm not openly defending Brandy Love and everything she does, if I'm not saying, oh, yeah, here's five dollars for your only fans, Brandy, it's almost like I'm. I'm a, you know, I, in some ways, like the silence is violence crowd. It's like, I'm, I'm so totally against it. And then it's also one of those situations where it's like, if I'm not completely dogpiling on this woman, which probably is not the best case of words to use in talking about porn star. Um, <laughs> you, you know, it, I, <laughs> I walked like, into this that. This is going to show up on some opposition research, like 20 years down the line. Like they, uh, they can, it can get in line with all the other sound bites, but it's like, you know, <laughs> if I'm not completely doing that, then I'm not, I'm, I'm not really against pornography with a lot of, as I call them, my, my Liberty University alumni friends who are Republicans. It, it's just one of those situations where it was like, of all the things we had to fight about, at the end of the day, it's like, you know, just understand it's, a, it's an event for kids. Like, if we're going to go back to what I said about it being a, a twofold argument, it's like, did they have the right to say you, you need to leave? Absolutely. And was it probably appropriate based off the circumstances as time has gone by and as I've, you know, I've learned more about why they did it? I kind of understand it. But then it leads to the second part. And this is where I kind of take the inverse of the first one. It's like, I, I, don't, I don't believe in outlawing pornography. And I'm, I'm not in this camp of like, you know, if you're a porn star, you're just a degenerate person and all this other stuff. Do I have, do I think you've got some serious things to talk about with God later on? Absolutely. But like, it's, it's one of those situations where it's like, we, we want to pick and choose what, what we're deeming as publicly and socially acceptable. I had a problem with, with drag queens showing up to CPAC and to TPUSA events. Right. Exactly. Like, you know, Lady Maga, I bet Lady Maga, and I'll call her, her, and all, whatever they want. Like, that's not, you know, that's another one of those things where it's like, I'm not going to die on a hell on. Do I think that Lady Maga should, you know, be streaming with Charlie Kirk and, you know, be taking photos of all these people and stuff? And everyone's like, look, Lady Maga showed up. I've, I've got, I've actually got kind of a problem with that. If they had done I the same. Agree more. Yeah, yeah. Now, should Lady, Lady Maga be allowed to go to those things? If Lady Maga's going to pay and do it, sure. Like, whatever. I almost think, you know, in that situation, what, what makes Lady Maga different than Brandy Love? Is it because Lady Maga isn't showing her junk? Is it I because mean, Lady Maga doesn't have a... Lady, I think Lady Maga is <laughs> many magnitudes uh, less bad than Brandy Love, but I, I'm not... So we've ranked that, the drag queen beneath the porn star. Okay, we're going to start you know, there's Yeah, the, 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 someone, who, again, who's like actively engaged in like propagating pornography that is going to end up being seen by like 13-year-old kids, you know, and is like profiting from it and is, you know, uh, proud of it and, you know, writes about how it's totally consonant with conservative principles, right? I mean, it's, it's really gross uh, and degenerate. You know, Lady, Lady Maga is someone who is, you, you, there's 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 something to the to sort of the point that there's a lot of eccentrics at, at CPAC, but I don't think that that CPAC should be elevating Lady Maga to any kind of position of prominence. And the fact that Lady Maga has become kind of a figure in the broader MAGAverse and is someone that is like a very prominent face um, and is associated with conservatism is not a good look for the right. And I think the right should absolutely be resisting that um, because it undermines any kind of legitimacy to all of the things that conservatives talk about when it comes to sort of the importance of a, of a, of a conservative cultural agenda. Yeah. 
I, I mean, you know, this is this is part of a long legacy of like, you know, where where does social conservatism end, and then it jumps? Where you know, where does the policy aspect of it kind of begin? I remember right. in 2018, so Denver Riggleman, uh, who was a oh, yeah. Cong- yeah, so Denver was a friend of mine. And I, I want to emphasize was because Denver went to Congress after he succeeded my boss, uh, Tom Garrett, who I think is one of the best congressmen of my lifetime. I was sad to see my, my former boss uh, step down the way he did. Um, but, you know, Denver, when he was running for reelection in 2020, um, not not to get into all the weeds of it, but you know he he um, he, he was do, he was officiating a, a same sex union, and people saw that, and a couple of people made a giant deal out of it, and a couple of very opportunistic vice reporters and other liberal reporters jumped on it, and then it became well, all these Republicans are now going after Denver Riggleman because he did this thing at this gay wedding, and they're bigots, and it's this you know this this old school retrograde social conservatism in the heart of real deep South Virginia. They always call it the real deep South of Virginia, which makes me laugh, and that that became almost the attack point for everything that came throughout that cycle from the primary, which was hotly contested in which Bob Good beat Denver to the, to the general in which they were like, you see, these people are so radical. They even got rid of their own incumbent Republican who could have beaten who, you know, and you know, the, the Republican who ended up getting the nomination beat the Democrat, but they're like, he was the only one who could have defeated me. Now it's obviously, you know, that this is going to become a Democrat district, but you know, that was used as smokescreen to cover the fact that Denver Riggleman was a shitty representative, that he sold out to the Saudis and to the neocons on defense issues, that he sold out the libertarians, the free marketeers when it came to uh, privacy issues, that he sold out his constituents who had real constituent services needs so that way he could hang out more in D.C. So all the reasons why Denver really actually needed to go all got bogged down with, well, you see, they just didn't want him because he's accepting of, of gay people and stuff like that. And right. it was just one of those issues where it's like, you know, that was, that was, that was not the truth. That was really yeah. not the truth. This is one of these uh, things that actually I think unites libertarians. This is one of my sort of uh, soapbox talking points. That I still think, I actually think like true libertarians, not like beltway libertarians, but, um, you know, g- genuine libertarians and the sort of nationalist crowd that I'm broadly sort of loosely associated with have much more in common than I think, you know, uh, is often apparent on Twitter. But one of the things uh, that we have in common is we both sort of sit outside of the establishment and we're constantly getting betrayed by sort of establishment Republican hacks who are basically just sort of neocon pro big business uh, in a, in a very anti-libertarian pro big business way, right. Pro sort of like subsidies and handouts, um, uh, uh, people who basically don't really actually care about anything except for voting for endless war and, you know, making sure their, their powerful donors get, uh, you know, get their, their back scratched. Well, it's like my um, criticism of Charles Koch, who I, I think Charles Koch is an amazing person. He's done a lot of good, you know, I'll, I'll set up a, a little candle for him every night and, you know, bow to it and stuff. But it's like, I, I have a problem with Charles Koch's immigration stance because it's not like he's, you know, he puts all the flowery language and then he gets reason and Cato to write all these like real flowery essays about why we need just open borders and stuff. It's like, no, Charles Koch wants cheap labor here intentionally undercut American workers. 
And I yeah, just, I that, mean, d- that yeah. doesn't sit well with me. Like at the end of the day, like that is the literal reason he doesn't give a shit about them a- any other way. Maybe he does, maybe I'm wrong, but really when it comes down to it, he sees it as dollars and cents and we see countries as more than just self-sustaining economies. And by the way, so does a pretty healthy portion of the Republican Party establishment still. I mean, for all yeah. the sort of saber rattling about uh, immigration, a very small amount of Republicans are actually serious about doing anything about it. Because as much as it's been a priority for Republican voters for decades, you know, the, their vo- their donors don't want it because their donors are Charles Koch type, types and it makes labor more expensive because they have to pay American workers actual wages, right? So like this is, uh, you know, an, another example of this uh, where it's just like, these people, but the, the, I mean, the connection with the sort of Brandy Love stuff is, is, um, just the, wow, this all got really meta real fast. It it got really bad. I'm trying to, I'm trying to tie it back. I'm going to do it. I'm still very sober. I've only taken like three sips. Yeah, man. I'll, I'll, I'll talk long. So you got to (laughs) go ahead. Uh, But the, uh, no, the, 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 one of the, the problems with the Republican party, one of the many problems with them is they're just, and the conservative movement sort of institutionally more broadly um, is they're just allergic to actually engaging on cultural issues because they're the spicy issues that like the New York Times editorial board is really going to take them to task for, uh, right? Like their friends at the you know Georgetown cocktail parties uh, aren't really going to be that upset with them if they just do tax cuts and and you know vote to invade you know to stay in Afghanistan or something, right? If they vote to ban abortion or to actually restrict strict immigration um, or to do something on sort of traditional sexual morality uh, or religious liberty, right? Like that's actually, that's going to really offend the people that they associate with and alienate the, the people in the sort of ruling class. So the, 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 the sort of degeneration of something like CPAC is a good example of this. The institutional conservative movement, a lot of its institutions are sort of broadly have embraced this sort of live and let live morality. And that's why it's trickled down to the point where you have a lot of conservatives who think that it's like cancel culture for TPUSA to remove a hardcore porn star from a youth conference now, because we've forgotten what actual what actual conservatism is about, which has a big part to do with a sort of cultural morality that we've completely lost. But because that's not really something that's connected with anything that Republican donors care about, it's not something the institutional conservative movement is really in touch with anymore. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're kind of wrapping up and, you know, I, I, I'm really glad we have this talk because you've made me think about a lot of things. And, you know, this is one of those issues where it couldn't be confined to a Twitter conversation. I guess the only thing where I'll say I'll I'll disagree with you at, at the cusp of this is, um, you know, like I, I could not vote libertarian in 2020. Uh, much to the chagrin of a lot of people, I voted for Donald Trump, and it was primarily because I felt that libertarians were too soft on the crimes being committed by Black Lives Matter and the fact that you know Joe Jorgensen was a terrible candidate who yeah. rarely ever spoke about how the lockdowns uh, dramatically negatively affected the lives of millions of people in a way that you know is like pe- pe- people don't want to look at the faces of people that we were told, okay, you got to shut your business down, but here's six hundred dollars. Sorry, bye. It, it was one of those situations where it's like, you know, we had that happening. And now, you know, it's like with this whole, you know, Couve part two situation of the masks coming back and the boosters didn't work. So now we're going to need Pfizer to crank out some more shit, which is why I'm also buying more Pfizer stock because might as well benefit out of evil. Right. Um, it, it's, it's one of those situations where it's like, you know, I know this. I can do my podcast and I can write an article and I can do all my stuff. And I could do it to the best of my ability, and it's only going to go so far. 
in the situations that we're dealing with right now, where very seriously we've got family member against family member about the vaccine situation, now we have a very strong likelihood of not only the mask mandates coming back, but also, you know, lockdown part twos coming back, which if it happened now would seriously fuck things up way worse than the first round did. I do know that if Brandy Love is going to write an article about why she is a porn star or whatever is against lockdowns and all this other stuff, I know at the end of the day, it's like if she has the ability to change the minds of 100 people versus the two I might have, it's like the situation where it's like, would you have teamed up with Stalin to defeat Hitler in World War II? And that's where you know, I find myself a, in. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good question. Um, it's... I guess where I would probably disagree. More with than two just, people listen to the show. I just want to emphasize that we're doing quite well, but please go this on. This is good. This is good. <laughs> um, but the, uh, the, I mean, the, the point I think from a lot of sort of conservatives who are really invested in cultural issues is like things like the lockdown and just the chaos more broadly of the last year with black lives matter uh, and the, the general, just degeneration of our Republic, which I, I mean, really like America is in, severe decline. And, you know, it's going to continue to be if we don't do something radical to stop it right now. I, I sincerely believe that. Uh, I, I they're, they're all connected to things like, you know, as, as absurd as it sounds on its face, something like hardcore pornography, right? They're all part of a broad, broader phenomenon of degeneration. Um, I, I think if we had a population that was closer to the kind of population with the kind of moral norms uh, during, say, you know, the era of the founding, they would never have accepted the lockdowns in the first place, right? The reason that large portions of the population prostitution was also legal in the majority of the prostitution was states. legal, but the but the uh, and and that's you know that's that's an interesting point that you know we can go back and forth on. But I, I'm, the, I don't want the, I don't want I don't want to seem like I'm being rude throwing that in there, but it's also one of those situations where it's like you know the the context of all these things it it, it, it does matter to an extent. And it, it often gets confused amongst the broader situation. Right. But the, the point, though, is there were strong moral norms that gave the people in the, save the era of the founding. I mean, this is, it wasn't just in the era of the founding, um, a deep and profound uh, attachment to their liberty and a capacity for self-government where they, gel they, they guarded their liberty jealously, right? The, the reason that you have... Uh, in large parts of the country, particularly concentrated in the sort of blue urban areas, um, a docile population that just takes these myriad abuses lying down. Um, and, you know, if anything actually says, you know, thank you, may I please have another one and is terrified of opening back up in the, in, at all now. Um, they like the lockdowns in some of these places um, is because of the, the, the hollowing out and the bottoming out of our, these important cultural institutions and norms that, again, create the prerequisite for political liberty. So hardcore pornography obviously isn't the cause of the lockdowns directly, but it's part of this broader phenomenon um, of the undermining of the cultural and moral uh, prerequisites for liberty. Uh, and the reason that the lockdowns and the mask mandates and all those things can continue to happen is because uh, people allowed them to happen. And people allowed them to happen because Again, like there have there has been this hollowing out of of the the institutions uh, and the, the the ways of life that make a people fit for liberty. So we need to view this more holistically, I think, right? And we need to understand the connection between the two. 
Well, Nate, I, I really did enjoy this conversation. We agreed on quite a bit, and while we disagreed on a good chunk, I think it's better than what a lot of people do where they just like fling shit at each other online. I greatly appreciate your time, man. I'm going to link to your article from the American Mind in the show notes so people can go ahead and read it. I strongly suggest they do. If people want to go ahead and now fight with you on Twitter afterwards, how could they do so? Uh, they can fight with me at, at NJ Hawkman, N-J-H-O-C-H-M-A-N. Always happy to get in uh, internet mudslinging fights. So, Folks, I'll make it easy. I'll, I'll link to his uh, account in the show notes as well. Nate, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, Randall. That was a lot of fun. Folks, it costs you nothing, but it means everything to me. A five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you're listening to the show across Al Gore's amazing internet helps us grow, helps us have more of these conversations. I've had a couple. Okay, that was more. Uh, Y'all know how the internet works, people. Help us grow. Let the show know where you stand on these things. Be good. Be safe. I'll talk to you later. Good night. Good night.